When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Deep Waters. I am joined by the champs, Pauli Malinaji and Chris Algieri. And today we're going deep on the welterweight division. There's a lot going on next month, guys. You, you got the big mega fight between Spence and Crawford. Two of the, the future stars of the division are fighting Boots Ennis and Virgil Ortiz. Uh, in this show, we're talking about the present and the future of the division. Chris, I want to start with you. Let's start with the mega fight, Spence and Crawford. I'm really, really interested in how you see this shaking up the division. I think they, there's definitely going to be a rematch. This could turn into a trilogy. This could tie the division up for a year and a half. So, Chris, uh, tell me about Spence Crawford and how things are going to shake out at 147. Yeah, this uh, this might be a bit of a hot take, but I don't think it's going to affect the division. I think either way, we're, we're seeing the last of, of these two guys at welterweight. Um, Crawford's going to be 36 in September. You know, he hasn't been that active in recent years. Spence is, is certainly going to be moving up. He's, he's been talking about fighting Canelo Alvarez, which I actually called a couple of years ago and thought that was a really good matchup for him based on styles. Um, I could definitely see that fight happening probably closer to 160 than anywhere near 147 anymore. And Spence has even said he's realistically a 60 pounder, not really a 47 pounder. And I agree. I've been in the ring with him. The guy is huge. Um, so I, I don't really think that after this fight, shakes out that the Walter eight division is going to be that affected. I mean, this is more of like a super fight. This is more of a legacy fight. Um, you know, it's, it's really up to the, the, the next round of welterweights to take over. Cause these guys, they're not really looking at fights with anyone else except for each other. And, and the public doesn't really care to see them fight anyone else either. They want to see them fight each other. It's going to be a, you know, most likely going to be a two fight situation, which even that, I don't even know if the rematch will be at 47. I could see them both moving up to 54 um to for for that for that rematch so yeah i think i think ultimately you know the welter division is going to be the way it is regardless of how this fight shakes out and what these guys do next you know i i'm i'm inclined to to agree with most of that uh champ i i think that you know they're, they're they don't have a future at welterweight but i do think that uh a rematch if it's not for all the titles would kind of be a little a little bit um of a of a buzzkill, you know. I I think that the they there could be a rematch if the fight is great. I don't I don't necessarily think there should be a rematch guaranteed. I mean, what if this fight is not a good fight? You know, sometimes that happens. I think it's going to personally be a good fight. I think the styles are going to clash well. But I I do think that uh, if they rematch each other, then it, ha it has to be at welterweight. I mean, it, it you have to have all the titles on the line. You can't just vacate the title and then have the fight at one fifty four. I mean, you could do that. Then you'd have a Leonard and Hearns rematch, kind of where it was like years later and it was uh, at a higher weight class and people didn't really care about it. And most people don't even remember that, you know. So uh, I, I think that they affect the weight class only in the fact that if they stay at welterweight and have a rematch, the, the titles are still locked up there. Uh, and, of course, that forces guys like uh, Ortiz and Ennis and everybody behind them, uh, Stanionis and everybody behind them, to uh, have to wait for those titles to open up. Couldn't you see both guys just being like 
you know what? It's a money grab. Let's 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 get paid again and might not not kill each other. I mean, kill kill ourselves and make welterweight. I mean, yeah, it, titles and titles and you know, Spence is already talking badly about the titles and what the organizations are doing. I could I could I don't know. I could I could see them not fighting at welterweight and just being like, hey, let's go make some money together. And uh, I still it's still competitive. I still want to kick your ass, but um, you know, let's leave these titles in the back and let's keep all the money. Yeah, yeah. You know what's funny about those when you talk about those titles? I heard that when Oscar Lahoy used to fight, uh, first of all, the promoter would pay those sanctioning fees and not him, number one. Uh, but number two, I also heard they used to make deals. They didn't pay, the, he wasn't paying the 3% because, you know, 3% of what he would make was a lot of money. So he would make, he would do like a negotiation with those, uh, with the organizations and they would get like a, a flat fee. Uh, I'm not sure. This is just uh, things I used to hear back in the day. Of course, I didn't. When I was hearing these things, I didn't really realize how much sanctioning fees would really affect <laughs> your percentage of the purse. But, but uh, I do remember hearing this that you know guys like Oscar would uh, would sort of negotiate a, a flat fee. And honestly, a lot of times uh, uh, Aaron would pay uh, Oscar's uh, sanctioning fees. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess if Spence has anybody doing that, of course, Spence is making a lot, and lot, lots and lots of money here. But uh, I don't know how that's working out because he was actually complaining about the specific percentages, which would mean that he's losing a lot of money on the sanction fees. You know, we, we talked about some of the other fighters that fight next month. And two of the young guns, Virgil Ortiz and Boots Ennis, have fights. Um, those are really the two guys that everyone is talking about, that they're the future of the welterweight division. And Pauly, uh, especially for Ortiz, he's got a tough fight with Stanionis coming up. Um, what's your take on those two fighters? Eventually, are they going to be the future at 147? Well, let's see how he looks against Daniones. You know, Ortiz has been a bit inconsistent lately, uh, pulling out of fights. Um, you know, just hasn't been the most regular guy as far as uh, almost like, almost like I don't know. I, I, I'm, I, so you start to question whether he's even into boxing, right? I know he's had these medical issues, which I don't even know if they were vaccine related or not. I mean, they were just sort of weird uh there were it was a weird thing he had going on which again i mean things like this for a, a professional athlete who's ra who's who's living right and, and and eating right and all this other stuff it just gets weird when they sort of have these kind of uh, uh biological type of i don't know what i don't even want to know what the word is chris would probably know the scientific words for it but just weird uh mishaps that that cost them uh you know being able to fight and whatnot i i don't know i mean i i there was a, a time where i really rated ortiz um, I'm not sure yet because now, you know, he's not regular. He's, he's not busy. He's, he's, uh, um, um, you know, with these medical issues, I don't know what, what, what ends up happening. Can he, is he going to stay at Walter? Does he plan to stay at Walter? I don't know. It, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of unsureness about Ortiz and Stanley Otis is no joke, man. Stanley Otis is a good opponent. Yeah. I think, I think whoever wins that fight is, is the next in line for, for a draw, a Jaron Ennis and who's going to be really take over, you know, the division. Cause we already spoke about, you know, the Kings being, you know, just above above that next class, and these guys are gonna guys are gonna be taking over. Yeah, there, I, I agree with Paulie. There, there's absolutely no, um, there's no guarantee that Ortiz wins that fight. Sanionis is 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 the goods, um, but I, I still favor Ortiz. I think he's a fantastic fighter. I've been a, I've been a very very bullish on Ortiz throughout his career. I think you know already even at his young career, you know he's only had 19 fights, but he has 19 KOs. He's fought some really tough guys, and he's blown out guys and stopped guys that don't get stopped. Like when he when he knocked out Mauricio Herrera on the undercard of Canelo and, and Jacobs, I was there and I was like, wow. I mean, and granted, Herrera is long in the tooth of them, but nobody stops him, and it, he had nothing for Ortiz that night. That was that was really impressive to me. And then uh, Kavalowskis, he, he 
he beat up Kavalowskis. That's a that's a massive massive win. So uh, and uh, you know definitely you got to take into consideration that the, the 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 health issues that he's been having rhabdomyolysis is is no joke. It's 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 a very dangerous um, condition for an athlete to deal with. I, I wonder if it's related to the weight in terms of maybe this guy's just grown out of the weight class. I I I, I Robert I you know I used to train with Robert Garcia. I'm, I'm I'm very friendly with with those guys over there, and you know they tell me about they tell me about Vic, uh, about uh, Ortiz and Virgil about how how big he is and he spars with light heavyweights. And I just wonder if that he's just not built for 47. And if that's the case, is it going to affect his, well, are we going to get to the fight of San Jonas? Cause he, like Paulie said, he pulls out of fights. And then if he does, is, is it going to negatively affect his performance? You know, so it kind of leaves the door open for maybe, maybe Ortiz is not really a welterweight or isn't going to be there that much longer because those, those health issues that, that that's, that's a big deal. And it's happened multiple times and uh, it can be related to weight. Like I said, well, how about Boots Ennis, guys? Because he he's the other X factor. He's the other fighter that you know people are saying he's a a, a young star. Uh, Chris, your your take on Boots as far as him being the future of the division? I absolutely love his style. That's dude. When I think of if I'm putting a fighter together in terms of what they can do in the ring, that's my guy. I want a guy who is athletic, who is long and strong and fast and smooth. He's got that that East Coast style. He can slip and slide and dip and roll and counter. Um, and he, and he's got bad intentions, man. He wants to, he, he wants to hurt the guy in front of him. Hey, he gets hit. He'll be there. He's like, Oh, you hit me. I'm gonna hit you back. Like I, you, if you touch me, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to, to crush you. And, you know, he's got the legacy. His, he comes from a family of, of, of professional fighters. Um, you know, his dad's a, a great coach. I've talked to him a few times. I, I'm, 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 uh, I'm a big fan of, of, of Ennis and, and the way that he fights. Um, but I think, I think the fight is him and, and Ortiz and, and a guy like Ennis, I think stylistically the style of Ortiz can beat that kind of guy because I, or to me, Ortiz is like a machine. He just, he throws combinations and he's, he is on you, on you, on you. And that's kind of the way you beat that East coast style where you're going to be juking and jiving and trying to roll and trying to counter. Um, so if, if Virgil could survive the shots of Ennis's counters, I think the pace and the, the counter punching and the, uh, and the volume punching of Ortiz would, would could cause a lot of trouble for, for Ennis. Ennis has a lot of power. And, and I think he'd be hitting uh, a guy like Ortiz with shots he doesn't see coming. Uh, the speed, the athleticism, he sets up the power very well. I have no complaints about Ennis's uh, boxing. His game is is, is top-notch, su- supreme. I think he's the best guy in the division. Um, possibly even right now, despite Crawford and, and, and Spence about to fight each other uh, at, at their age. My only gripe with Ennis is I think he's been mismanaged, mispromoted. You know, this guy should have been had a world title, should have been already been promoted as a star and as a, as a high level player. Instead, he's just been level uh, promoted and marketed as a high level prospect because we've had to continue to wait due to this log jam at the top between Crawford and Spence. Guys should have been stripped if they didn't fight each other. Guys should have at least uh, uh, been, been forced to fight Ennis or Ortiz if they weren't going to fight each other. Something should have happened instead of making these guys wait. But for me personally, uh, that I think Ennis is the best guy. In the, in the weight class, um, it, I think it's been a, a, almost a, a travesty of, of, of justice or injustice. I don't know, whichever, however you say that. You know, but nonetheless, I think it's it has not been fair. It's not been right. I have no problems with Ennis's boxing. I think it's it's supreme. I think it's it's a very complete style. It's a fun style. Like Chris said, he's got bad intentions, so he's also fun to watch without athleticism. Because sometimes you see athletic fighters, it can kind of be boring in a counter punching style too much. Ennis is not boring at all. He's, he, he uses his athleticism to try to really, really get to you and uh, and and put those hurting, hurtful shots on you. And you know, he does a great job. Uh, I personally, I, I like him, but I think he's been mismanaged and mispromoted. And, I, and that's a real shame. 
Well, good Paulie, thing he's only uh, 25, so they're, they're still he's, time. He's only, they're, they're both 25, and, and Paulie just muted himself. That's the only way Paulie's ever going to be muted. He he accidentally muted himself. But really quick, uh, let, let's talk about his matchup. He's he's up against Roman Villa. Um, Chris, uh, what, what do you think about that matchup? Villa's a tough fighter. What are we going to get from that fight? Yeah, I mean, um, he's coming off the, uh, the 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 victory over Ellis, you know, Ron, um, who is super fast guy, similar similar aspects of his Speedy style. Speedy Rashidi actually. Ellis. Speedy Rashidi Ellis, who is a, a very good counterpuncher, very very quick. He also has that East Coast style of of of, of Ryan, rolling with shots and firing, and he's, and he's very 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 fast. So I think this is a good fight for for Jerron to see you know how he handles if he goes out there and does what he's done to everybody else and 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 blows this guys out and controls the pace and walks through shots I mean this the, the sky's the limit on him but I, I think this is a good fight I mean I would rather see him fight uh maybe a more dangerous guy but um still this is he's no it's no slouch he this is this is a real fight I'm, I'm curious to see I love whenever Ennis fights so I mean match him up with anybody I want, I want to see what he's going to do um but I think he does have a guy in front of him who is you know worthy of 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 uh what's going to happen and what we can see and what we can take from it yeah I, I like Ellis as a fighter I think he's a fun fighter I think he's just below that level but he's a, a yeah. good fighter and he's the kind of fighter who's going to show us you know just how good at uh one of those opponents is going to show us just how good Ennis can be how he deals with that kind of style uh they both got tough opponents you know Ortiz has Daniel is coming uh Ennis has uh Ellis coming and so uh you know I, no, he's got the Villa, way they coming uh, yeah the way they look um uh yeah and and, and the, the way they the way they look in um in these fights I think goes a long way and also dictating how people perceive them as the next guy in the welterweight division i think there's i think people do see them as the next guy but just that, to what degree do they are they do they see them as people that can really uh replace the spence and the uh crawfords of the welterweight division in this new generation or are they just the best of this generation but eh you know, uh, uh, we got to things still remain to be seen. I think at this point, it's it's really this performance right here because we have Spencer Crawford sort of fighting and then moving, seeming to move on. Well, Paulie, is are we missing anyone else? I mean, we're talking about the young guns. Keith Thurman is still threatening the fight. He threatens the fight every year. Is is Keith Thurman a factor? Are there any other fighters that could be a factor at one forty seven? I mean, Keith is a, a good fighter. He's a, a big name. Uh, he, he's earned his position at, at, at the welterweight division. I think he'll be back at a certain point, but I don't think I, I think he'll also be looked at as 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 I know when you get to that age and when you get to that point in your career, you looked at more as a resume filler. You can come in and pull off the upset. That's possible. That has happened. You know, guys of that level do come in and use their ring veteran savvy to come in and and sometimes beat the young hot shots. Uh, but of course, he'll be viewed. I don't think he'll be viewed as as a guy who can threaten the top, but he'll be viewed as a guy who can be a resume filler. And possibly if he comes back and puts on a great performance, I mean, it's, it's terrific for his own legacy. How about you, Chris? Keith, is there, is there anyone else that, that you think is a uh, potential threat looming at 147? I mean, there's there's always guys lying in wait. Um, Keith Thurman, I agree with Paulie. He's 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 kind of relegated to that that stage now where it's, you know, he's going to be a test for the young guys, not necessarily a true threat. Um, you know, he still has a great record. He obviously has a big name. He's a former champion, but he's been super inactive. He's definitely getting, you know, he's getting older, obviously. Um, you know, he he did knock off Mario Barrios. You know, he was a, a younger guy who was, you know, coming up in Wade. He had already got stopped by um by Gervonta, but you know, he was he was highly praised at at 140 for for a long time. And then he moved to 47 to fight Thurman. Thurman got the win there. 
Um, I thought that was impressive. I, I, you know, that's it, again, beating a younger guy, but he is nowhere. Mar- Barrios is nowhere near the level of an Ennis, uh, standing onus or, um, or Virgil Ortiz. Well, we got Spence and Crawford coming up on July 29th. And one of the things that both guys have talked about is, is legacy and that this is going to be a throwback fight, that this is what they want. Well, guys, today is an anniversary of a very historic fight at 147. June 20th, 1980, Sugar Ray Leonard took on Roberto Duran in their first fight. Duran won a, won a tough, close decision. It was the start of their trilogy, their rivalry. It was the start of the Four Kings era. Uh, you know, you guys weren't even born when they fought. I was nine or ten years old. But, Paulie, when you think of Leonard and Duran, what, what comes to mind? Uh, just uh, uh, right before that, even Hearns and Cuevas into a super high gear with that, with with the start of that rivalry, because that also ended up bringing us uh, up, uh, later on, it ended up bringing us Leonard and Hearns, because Leonard no longer had a reason to sort of try to protect his own. You know, I, I've seen, uh, as a matter of fact, I saw the uh, legendary nights when you were uh, the ones you uh, were producing, George, and you know, I saw where Leonard was trying to look for ways to avoid Hearns saying, oh, I'll, I'll fight Hearns on the reasons the popularity of Roberto Duran and so on and so forth. But but the once the once Leonard took the L and he came back and beat Duran, now there was really no O to protect. So he was like, he was off to the races. Like, you know what? Let me just go after all these guys. There's not, there's no, not, not an O to protect. And they, it shows you when, the, when guys chase greatness, they put themselves in a position to be great. You know, a lot of times they achieve it, and that's what Leonard ended up doing. But this was the start right here. You know, I, I think with I think this fight made Leonard an even better fighter, a more mature fighter, an even more poised fighter. And he was already world class to begin with. But uh, Duran, uh, a terrific performance. Psychological games are unbelievable. I'll never forget. Well, when I saw this fight, obviously I wasn't born yet. My mom was pregnant with me. But when I ended up seeing it later in my life, uh, the, the disgust Duran has after the fight ends, where Leonard tries to touch gloves, and and Duran just tells him f off, like get out of here. You know. And I remember Duran doing that again. Again with Benitez, but this time with Benitez a few years later, he was just more disgusted that he'd been outboxed almost every round, <laughs> and he didn't want to touch gloves with Benitez either at the end of the fight. Uh, Duran did so. Duran was very, very machismo, a lot of machismo. I think he quit uh, six months later uh, uh, or five months later, more so out of the lack of machismo in the fighting style of Leonard than it was for anything else. You know, I think yeah, he maybe wasn't in shape or whatnot. But Duran's the kind of guy like he doesn't consider it a fight unless you're in a phone booth, you know. <laughs> and if you're not fighting him, if you're if you're not basically, he doesn't look at that as he's quitting. He's looking at that as looking at that as I'm not wasting my time. This guy doesn't want to fight me. So that's how he keeps his, his, his psychology still up even after uh, the No Mas fight uh, five months later. But this uh, this started a lot of great things. This fight and, and it is a classic fight for that reason. Chris, I absolutely. I mean, I love this fight. I love both those fighters. I mean, Leonard, Leonard, they're two of my favorite fighters for different reasons. Like Leonard was a guy that like stylistically I would study because he was technique and the things that he did in the ring were absolutely gorgeous. And he just an an incredible, incredible fighter. Um, I wasn't obviously like a Duran type style fighter. I wasn't going to take a whole lot for him, but he was very savvy in the inside is his his inside punching. He he um he he used like almost like wrestling techniques. He would grab your elbow, he'd spin you around. Those are things that I tried mm-hmm. to, to take into my into my career as well because of my wrestling background. But yeah, I mean both these guys are just absolutely tremendous athletes. Um, I had uh, the documentary The Four Kings, and I was a VHS tape. I probably watched that thing. 
I mean, I, it, there's no way it, it, it would work at the end. I watched it so many times. The tape must have been like see-through. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I, th- this fight is just incredible. I watched it again recently with my nephew because I was showing him the boxing style. So I made him watch Leonard and Benitez because I was like, this is, gonna, this is the best jabbing contest you're ever going to see. It's two different styles of jabs, and you could really, really learn from this. And then I made him watch Duran and Leonard, and I hadn't watched it in a bunch of years. And I forgot how how good Duran was that night. He was, I mean, he was all over Leonard and, and, you know, the fight was not that close. And my, my nephew remember saying that he was like, he's like, wow. He's like, Durant's really like beating him up. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't remember that. And uh, yeah, it's people should go back and watch that fight. It's, it's worth it. And for any, anybody who's coming up and wants to learn about boxing, I mean, there's a lot you can take from both those guys and especially those fights. Durant was basically uh, my organ before my organ. And he was better than my organ. You know, so it was really like, oh, yeah. just, oh, was, he was a difficult guy to fight. And it plays the psychology in very well. Was, you see how Leonard beats Benitez in a beautiful jamming contest. That was actually, you talk about a fight that uh, uh, the tape that you watched over and over again. The tape that I watched over and over again was Leonard and Benitez with that jamming <laughs> contest. I mean, it was two incredible. different style jabs, unbelievable uh, boxing IQ. But you can see the psychology in the, the, the Durant fight. Leonard's psychology is a bit, is completely different. You know, he's fighting Durant too much. Durant draws him into that kind of fight. And Durant is very, very savvy in that kind of fight. There's no way Roberto Duran was going to be getting on the phone with Sugar Ray Leonard back then making a fight. So so times have changed. And Spence and Crawford are talking about wanting a legacy fight. If it's if it's half as good as Leonard Duran won, then we have a great fight coming. So guys, I want to thank you for joining me. Deep Waters, the welterweights, present and the future. And we even got a, into the past a little bit. This is Pro Box, your boxing channel. We'll be back with more from the champ soon.